What are you doing? Great. Thank you, Chris. Is that where the weird noise is coming from, or is that just has Landon walked off the stage, or William? I don't know. All right, how's it going? Doing all right? Good to see you. Here we are. Hey, it was cool this morning. It was nice. It's like, uh, it was almost bearable, like 50 degrees, you know. It'll probably be 115 tomorrow, but you know, today, enjoy the day. I, lo- I just love this time of year. I love fall. <clears throat> I love it getting a little cooler in the evenings and the mornings. So we're in this series, uh, Things That Go Bump in the Night. Things That Go Bump in the Night. So the things that scare you, you wake up maybe 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and, uh, and you just begin to maybe think about some things, and you worry. It's a, it's a great time. If you're a worrier, it's a great time to worry, middle of the night, to worry. Uh, it's a good time for things to be out of perspective, in other words, they, to loom large. They feel huge. You're, you're laying in the bed, and you're thinking about, oh, the bills that are to do. Oh, I got all the stuff. I you, maybe you start thinking about your week, all the things you have to do, and you just become overwhelmed. Uh, so today, I want to talk about how to defeat negative thoughts. How to defeat negative thoughts? Because a lot of times uh, we struggle with negative thoughts. It's, did you know it's easier uh, to complain than it is to be thankful? Do you know that? I mean, most of us. I mean, mo- to be honest, most of us have a pretty good life. You know, we we've, we've got a pr- there's. You know, there's food in the pantry. There's clothes in the closet. When you turn on the power, the power comes on. You turn on the water, the water comes on. You know, I mean, you've got a pretty good life. I mean, most of us, not every, that doesn't mean everything's going right, but, but you've got a pretty good life. And, but it's easier, <laughs> it's easier to find the one thing that's driving you crazy and focus on that. I mean, you can have a lot of things going right. Your marriage can be going right. Your kids can be going right. Finances can be going right, and you can have one area, one little area, and that one area will wake you up in the middle of the night, and it'll cause you to really worry and focus and think negative thoughts. So if we're not watchful, what will happen? Our negative thoughts will overwhelm us. You've got to realize, the Bible says that your mind is a battlefield, and most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Your life is a reflection of what you think. If you have a negative mind, it's almost impossible to have a positive life. If you're thinking negative thoughts, it's almost impossible to live positively. Here's what 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 tells us. For though we walk in the flesh, how many of you recognize it? your flesh, right? Yeah, okay. We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So so there's flesh and there's spirit. He's saying that we walk in the flesh, we live in the world, we're alive, we're flesh and blood, but the battle that we're fighting is not a flesh and blood battle, it is a spiritual battle. But... For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And, and what are those fortresses? Those fortresses are, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So 
He's saying we have to take captive. I don't know how, where that came from. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just thought of something. So let's, we'll just have that start happening every time I think of something. Donk. Donk. Oh, he thought of something. Donk. Uh, <laughs> so we have to take thought, take captive our thoughts to the obedience of Christ. How do we do that? What does it look like? Well, the, every time you think a thought, you are creating patterns and pathways in your brain. And the more you think that thought, the, the easier it is to think that thought again. So when you, when you think negative thoughts, and you think negative thoughts a lot, your mind creates a superhighway in that pathway. In other words, if you think a thought, and you think that thought regularly, the myelin around the nerve tissues in the brain and the, the connection of those synapses, it causes your brain to go to those thoughts easier. Like it, it turns a cow path into a one-lane road, and then from a one-lane road into a two-lane road, into a two-lane road, into a six-lane road, until eventually it's just so easy to go to that negative thought because you have, you've just trained your brain. This happens, this negative path. So, so every time you think a thought, you are creating patterns and pathways in your brains. And where you think that thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. This leads to what they call a cognitive bias. A cognitive bias is a mistaken reasoning based on personal experience or preference. It is where you see things through a, a mental filter. So because of your experience, you have created... A filter, and so you see everything through that filter. For example, if you grew up in a context of a lot of really bad things happening to you, you have a filter and a lens through which you view them inaccurately, like this. You grew up around abusive men, or you had an abusive father. You might see all men as abusive because of what happened to you. You might even marry an abusive man, which seems crazy, right? So you, were, you, were, you had an abusive father, or you were around abusive men. And then you would end up, if you were a woman, maybe marrying an abusive man because that's the only kind of man you believe there is. And so you, you accept that. So, or maybe you grew up around an emotionally manipulative mother. Say that fast. You might say all women is controlling or manipulative because that is what happened to you. So you might think all women are manipulative. So you have to watch out. Uh, maybe you had parents who said bad things about wealthy people. Maybe you grew up poor. And so your parents said bad things about wealthy people. You know, they think they're all that. They think they're special. Then when you grow up and you begin to have some, some success or some wealth, more than you had as a child, then you feel guilty or ashamed for having that wealth. So, how about uh, maybe you grew up in a racist environment? Did you know all people of all races can grow up in a racist environment? Do you understand that? I mean, you don't have to just be white. Only, uh, white people aren't the only people that are racist. We're really good at it. 
but uh, there's all kinds of racists from all kinds of different uh, environments. And maybe you grew up in a racist environment where people were judged by their skin color, black or white or brown, or maybe their country of origin. I mean, I've heard people say, you know, those Mexicans, those Mexicans. I don't know if you recognize this, but I don't think Texas would exist <laughs> as a state. We are empowered by our Hispanic heritage. I mean, look, you know, looking around this church, we, we're empowered by our Hispanic heritage in this church. It's so powerful. Was that an Hispanic who said that? Yes, yes, cool. That's right. They're not, they're not shy either. So that's good. So your filter shapes how you see life. If you change the filter, if you, it often changes how you feel. So what's a cognitive bias? A cognitive bias is a mistaken reasoning based on personal experience or preferences. A middle mental filter. That's why two people can react totally differently to the exact same situation. <laughs> I mean... I mean, just think about this. You have a cognitive bias because you're a man. You have a cognitive bias because you're a woman. You're seeing things. So does that, do those lenses ever cause confusion? Because you see things differently. Absolutely. So two people from similar backgrounds, yet none of us are exact same backgrounds, can react totally differently to the exact same situation. It's not the facts that are different, it's the filter. And we use this a lot, but it's a great, it's a great example of the 10 spies, the 12 spies who went in to spy out the land of Israel. We know that 10 of the spies brought back a bad report. And two of the spies brought back a good report. Now, what was different is it's, it wasn't what they saw. It was their filter. They had a cognitive bias. In Numbers 13.33, the ten who brought back the bad report said this, And we became like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in their sight. So it said, We were grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in their sight. Joshua and Caleb, the other two spies who went, who came back with a good report, said this, Only don't, do not rebel against the Lord, do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. It's not the facts that were different, it's the filter. They both saw the same land. They both, both saw the same people. It's the filter. Here's an interesting. Nobody interviewed the giants to see what they thought about the Hebrew spies. You think about it? And it says, we became like grasshoppers on our own side, and so we were in their sight. No, no, you know, CNN didn't show up to interview them. You know, you know Canaanite News Network. Uh, to to uh, inter- interview the giants, you know, did did you see the Hebrew spies? Yeah, we saw them. Had to sound like Arnold. Uh, they didn't see them. They didn't know. They didn't know what. That, that was, where, where, was, where was that happening? It was all happening in their mind. So, so 
two of them recognized that God was able. Ten of them thought we're not able. So what's the difference? How, how do we change our thinking? Here's the problem. How do you change your thinking, your wrong thinking, if you don't even have the capacity to see it? In other words, how do you change thinking that you don't know what you're thinking is wrong? So I've got some ideas. You know, I would ask that question only because I think I have an answer. Number one, by trusting the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Tim Keller says it this way. Uh, what, so what does it mean to trust the Lord with your whole heart? It means don't lean on your own understanding. Our culture lets us, tells us absolutely no one should tell you what is right or wrong for you. You must lean on your own understanding. But please think. Do you remember your 15-year-old self thought your 10-year-old self was an idiot? Do you remember how your 25-year-old self thought your 15-year-old self was an idiot? Do you remember how your 35-year-old self thought your 25-year-old self was an idiot? You're an idiot now. It's a quote from Tim Keller, <laughs> which I put in, <laughs> I qualified, anytime you reject God's word for your world's, for your or the world's opinion, you're being an idiot. Do not lean on your own understanding. Lean on the word of God. Don't, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. How do you trust in the Lord? By not leaning on your own understanding. So how do we... How do we trust in the Lord? How do we stand on his word? How do we lean on the word of God? The, our weapon that we fight with is the word of God. When the Bible talks about weapons, he said, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. What are they? Ephesians six seventeen, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You need the word of God in your life. The Word of God will help you discern where your filter is wrong. It will show you where you're wrong. And you say, Lord, I don't want to trust in my own understanding. Because the world is always attacking the Word. Why do you think the world is always attacking the Word? Because the Word is our basis for overcoming the world. How do we overcome the crazy thinking of the world? We can only overcome it by the Word of God. So we have to take the sword. He said, you know, take this offensive weapon that you're going to use in your life, the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than your two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, here's the thing. You don't even know what your heart's thoughts and intentions are. The heart is deceptive deceitful above all else no man can know it you don't know your heart and please don't follow your heart you say well follow your heart well you want to you want to have you want to have a catastrophe of life follow your heart don't do what's don't do what you feel do what is right do what the word says to do and there's no creature hidden from his sight but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do which in other words to say what does that mean, with whom, we have to, with whom we have to give an account to? We're going to give an account to God. So our weapon is the Word of God. 
the Word of God helps us to not lean on our understanding. We lean instead on the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? So when there's a question, this is what the world says, this is what I think, and this is what God's Word says, we always go with God's Word. You say, well, I, I don't know if I can agree with that. That's your problem. If you give higher authority to your feelings, higher authority to your opinion, higher authority to the world's opinion then the Word of God, you will, you will always end up in trouble because in the, in the scheme of things, God's right. So our weapon is the Word of God. Our weapon is the Spirit of God. Jesus said, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. The Spirit will lead you into truth. Hebrews goes into further, tells us if we listen. It's one thing to hear something, and it's another thing to hear something. (laughs) Do you always hear everything you hear? No. My wife believes that I am partially deaf. How many of you believe your husband is partially deaf? At least we have selective hearing. We have selective hearing. So you can hear without hearing. The Bible always talks about him that has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, let, you know, <laughs> you can hear and not listen. You can hear and not obey. You know, you can hear and act, you can hear and say yes, and then not do it. And then, dis- so you did, you acted, you acknowledge that you heard, but then you didn't, you didn't act like you heard. So it's the same as not hearing. So what what is the spirit of truth going to do? The spirit of truth, which is in you as a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into the truth of Jesus Christ. He's going to use the Word of God to do it. And He's going to speak to you. And He's always going to align with the Word of God. He's not going to tell you something different. In other words, God's not going to give you special permission to sin or do something different. Well, God told me it was okay for me to have an affair because He knows I've been having a rough time. That's a lie. That's not God. And and you you hear that kind of stuff all the time right so what does the spirit do the spirit leads us into truth so it reveals to us what is god's truth and then he will convict us about it you ever do something and immediately the spirit of god says "Uh uh-uh you shouldn't have done that i really liked it yeah but you lost your temper you need to go apologize oh well wait wait a minute Wait, I can, what, what was that? I'm not sure I heard that right. I'm not, I'm not sure I heard. You want me to apologize? Are you, I need to test this because, you know, I'm not sure God's really speaking to me. It's always, we, we always question God when he's telling you to do something that we don't want to do. You know, if God told you to go eat ice cream, you'd say, I just heard the Lord. I know it was God. How do you know it was God? He just told me to go eat ice cream. Folks, I'm going right now. I mean, we wouldn't even question, but he says to you, hey, pray for that person over there. You're like, oh, I don't know if that's God. Who else is going to tell you to pray for that person? You don't want to pray for them. The devil doesn't want you to pray for them. The world doesn't want you to pray for them. There's one person that wants you to pray for them. It's Jesus. And you're questioning whether it's him or not. Right? We do that. You know, pray for that person. 
So what do you do? You have to listen. You've got to listen to the Word of God. So you, our weapon is the Word of God. Our weapon is the Spirit of God. God's going to speak to us through His Word, and we have to say, Lord, I want to hear it. Help me hear it. I want to obey it. I want to do it. I don't want to just know it. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer only. Number two, you can't control what happens to you. How are you going to deal with negative thoughts? You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. Viktor Frankl was a prisoner in, of the Nazis in World War II. The Nazis exterminated with machine-like precision six million Jews. Tina and I have been uh, to the prison camp at Auschwitz. And it is... <laughs> I mean, even today, you know, 50, 60 years later, what is it, 75 years later, 70 years later? It's just amazing. What's amazing is that, you know, people want to deny the Holocaust. The Germans kept too good of records for that. <laughs> they, they wrote down everybody they killed. They, they wrote down everything they took off somebody. They, they documented every, they were so exacting in their in their death machine, their machine-like precision. And to, to go through the halls and see uh, the, the piles of things that they recycled. They, of course, they pulled the gold out of their teeth. They, they, everything that was usable, they used. They took their clothes. They took their glasses. They took their dentures. They took everything they had. There were piles and piles of them. And then they covered the countryside with the ash of the burning bodies. It was unbelievable. Viktor Frankl, they killed his mother and his wife and his brother. Both died in the concentration camps. Only, only he and his sister survived of his immediate family. They put him to first forced labor in Auschwitz. And he said, I choose to suffer with dignity. And no matter what the Nazis do to me, I will never hate one of them. Everything, he said this, everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. They defeated him physically, but they could never defeat him spiritually. He survived. And in the same situation, undergoing the same amount of work and the same amount of rations, the same ill treatment, he survived when thousands around him died. And they didn't die from the conditions. They died of hopelessness and a broken heart. But he said, everything can be taken from me, but one thing. I can choose my own thoughts. I can choose my own way. You see, you choose your thoughts. If you have negative thoughts, if you're overrun by negative thoughts, you need to recognize, I'm choosing those thoughts. I have a choice about the thoughts that I think. I am not captive to my mind. I can bring my mind under control of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and I can think the thoughts that God wants me to think. So attitudes are not caused by people or circumstances. You choose your attitude. And if you choose the right attitude, you'll be unstoppable. Choose the wrong attitude, and you'll be miserable. And it's your choice. Did you get that? That's some pretty good preaching right there. I'm not, somebody, somebody say amen. Come on. Where's that giant? Uh, 
Paul, listen to what Paul said. Philippians 4, 6. This is good. Be anxious for nothing, but by everything in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good report, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Now, Paul wrote this from Rome in prison where he was chained to a praetorian guard 24 hours a day. He had wanted to go to Rome. He had said all along, I'm coming to Rome. I want to go to Rome. I mean, Rome, God called him to the Gentiles. Rome is Gentile central. It's like, I mean, it's the seat of the Roman government. The, the, the Caesar is there. The parliament is there. He, I mean, the Senate is there. He, he wants to go to Rome to preach the gospel. He, wants to, he just sees it as a great opportunity. And he thinks, I want to go to Rome. And how does he end up going to Rome? He goes to Rome as a prisoner. Not a preacher. Now, <laughs> can you imagine being chained to Paul all day long? As a matter of fact, it seems to indicate that there's a lot of people who were chained to Paul end up being Christians. Listen to what he says. So you need to choose your thoughts. And then the third thing is this, rejoice where you are. How do you overcome a negative thought? We need to rejoice where you are. Because we're always, we're always able to find the negative thing, the one thing. There can be a hundred things going well in your life, and that one thing will drive you crazy. You know, the enemy, will, the enemy will just point you, yeah, oh yeah, everything's great, but what about this over here? Yeah, yeah, that's great. But you know, until you remodel the bathroom, your life is going to be not worth living. I mean, look at this shower, look at this, look at this old shower, look at this. Can you believe you still live with this? Look around you, people all around you, they advertise them all the time. People have nice showers, and you've got this old, this old dated age shower your life is hell it's worthless and you can do that you can have great your life can be great and there's this one thing there's this and the satan will just say have you looked have you noticed this one thing have you noticed this 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 oh so what do you have to do how do you overcome the one thing that you have to rejoice where you are rejoice where you are so Paul says in Philippians 1.12. Still in Philippians, this is one of the prison epistles. He's writing from prison. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else. He said, hey, guys, this has been a great opportunity. Guess what? We got to we got a small group of Praetorian Guard that are all Christians. And you know, can, can you imagine? You see, this is not the way Paul would have said, this is how I want to go to Rome. This is going to work it out. And God, God has another plan. God get, takes him to Rome. He says, you're going to Rome. And he ends up in Rome, just like God promises. He's in Rome. But then he's chained. He's under house arrest, and he's chained to this guard. And we don't know. We don't know the story about how these guards, because the... 
Rome, Roman guards were, were hired from all over the world. And we don't, just think, just how, it'll be interesting to see, it'll be interesting to see in eternity how God unfolded and how he brought different people into Paul's life so they could go back and touch the world for Jesus Christ. And how, how God did that. It'd be powerful to see how he did that. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment for the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren, trusting the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So Paul says, and he says this to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. So Paul is saying, Listen, guys, these circumstances that I'm in, these circumstances that I'm in, it's not what I planned, but guess what? God's working it out. God's still using it. It's not what I planned. It's not how I wanted it to work out, but God is still using it, and it's working for the greater progress of the gospel. God is using what is happening to move the gospel forward. He said, so I'm going to rejoice in what God is doing. You need to be thankful for where you are. Stop waiting for perfect. It ain't happening. It, it's, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be the way it is. You're going to have kids, a couple of your kids are going to be more of a challenge than your other kids. They're not going to be the same. Your life is not always going to be easy. So what do you, you gotta, where are you? Where are you? What are you in? Thank God for where you are. Thank God for what hasn't happened. I mean, Paul says, you know, they're, they're, they may kill me. But, you know, hey, I'm God's. So, it, you know, it'd be better for me to go away, to go and be with the Lord. It'd be better for you that I stay. But, you know, hey, whatever. Whatever God wants, I'm in. Be thankful for what you have. You, you know, we sing this song, you know, that this is how I fight my battles. So how do you, how do you practically do this? One of the ways you practice this, you rejoice where you are. You can kill negative thoughts with worship and praise. Don't wait till Sunday to worship. You kill negative thoughts. If you wake up in the middle of the night and negative thoughts are overcoming you and you can't go back to sleep, listen to one of my sermons. It'll put you right back to sleep. <laughs> listen, just, go, just worship. I mean, there's so much access. We have so much easy access. I mean, you can say to Alexa, Alexa, play worship music. And she will. She knows that. See, I moved just enough to keep him on his toes. Now I'm going to go back over here. No. We're, we're so blessed with opportunity. Be thankful where you are. You can kill your negative thoughts with praise and worship. So did you get this? Okay. How do we do this? Trust in the Lord. How do we overcome negative thoughts? Trust in the Lord. Don't trust in yourself. Just remember, pastor said today, you're an idiot. Actually, Tim Keller said it, and I just, you know. You can choose your response. 
rejoice where you are. Amen. Got that? All right, let's stand. Let's pray. Thank you for your attention. Isn't God good? He loves you so much. God loves you so much. He, he loves you so much. He did the unimaginable. He gave his only son to ransom you and bring you into his family. That's how much he loves you. It's incredible. God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to be overcome by the world. He doesn't want you to be overcome by negative thoughts. He wants you, by your faith in Christ, by the word of God and by the spirit of God, by the choices you make, to change your thinking, to align it to heavenly thinking. Quit thinking like hell. Start thinking like heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought, every speculation, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, everywhere the world says this is what's right, and we know God's word says it's wrong. Lord, help us to stand on your word and your truth in Jesus' name. Help us to combat, overcome, and defeat negative thoughts because we have victory in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.